Welcome to Consilience with John Onate. In this podcast, I want to share my interests and perspectives that learning different disciplines can improve our understanding of what is happening in our life and world through interviews with outstanding people in healthcare, athletes, educators, artists, and others whose perspectives we can learn from. This podcast is a work in progress, so feel free to provide feedback and I welcome suggestions for future episodes. Well, I'm very excited today to um, introduce you to Carol Sepelu. She is an um, Eskimo um, ultra runner and also cultural ambassador for the Eskimo people and lives in Nome, Alaska. Um, I strongly encourage you to also check out Eric Schranz's interview uh, with her um, from, I think, a little over a year ago. Um, and, um, well, it might be, yeah, about a year ago. Um, anyways, I'll put a link to it uh, below. And uh, where uh, we also, I, I participated in that interview uh, with Eric and um, really got to kind of, it's a good way to kind of get to know um, Carol as a person. Um, the reason I'm bringing Carol on um, today is, to me, I think she is probably one of the most uh, inspiring um, women I have ever met in terms of uh, recovery and resilience and trying and making something positive uh, out of a out of a very uh, tragic and and um, and uh, traumatic experience. She's a, a suicide attempt survivor. Uh, when she was 16 years old, uh, she attempted to end her life uh, with a gun firearm. Um, and um, we talk a little bit about it on this interview, um, probably a little bit more also on Eric's interview, and then also a link to some articles uh, about that as well. Um, Carol uh, has um, endured a, a number of reconstructive surgeries, I think over 20, um, since that happened. And... Um, she actually um, got into running um, as a way to not get healthier, lose weight, but also um, to sort of uh, do something positive. And, you know, very, very quickly, she's doing very long distances, you know, ultra, you know, anywhere between, you know, 20 and, and 50 miles. And 100 kilometers, I believe, is the longest she's done. And she's even did an attempt at Leadville, which doing Leadville – uh, while she has a tracheostomy tube, to me is is amazing that she she uh, risked taking that line. And uh, although she didn't finish it, she got forty miles in. And uh, to me, that's a, that's very very impressive. Um, she uh, so she does have a lot of facial disfigurement that she's um, and uh, and she has a, a, a tracheostomy tube. Um, the um, I think what's what's really remarkable is how she's found such uh, acceptance in our trail and ultra community who don't really, you know, don't see the uh, disfigurement, they see the person. And, um, and she, uh, you know, has spoken a few times about like where when she's doing these races, she, she doesn't have to wear a mask. Like normally she wears either like a surgical mask or um, when she's in public. Um, and, uh, and she doesn't have that, that she has a, at least, you know, you know, doesn't have as much um, insecurity and doesn't feel like people really notice it. And she's able to do these races, um, showing the world how she is now. 
She is, you know, just an amazing person. Um, and I really hope you uh, um, take the time to listen to what she has to say. Um, and also she's, she's a, a great ambassador for uh, our, um, a, a part of our Native American uh, culture here um, in Alaska. And so, um, so anyways, uh, um, I'm uh, happy to introduce you to Carol Sepulu, if you don't know who she is. And, um, and you know, hopefully uh, she was gonna be our keynote speaker also at our Central California Psychiatric Society meeting um, that I'm um, a member of. And so hopefully at some point we'll bring her down here uh, to Sacramento and, and be able to do some things in person um, as well. So I hope you all are well and enjoy the interview. Thank you, Carol Sepalu. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to join me on my podcast. And, and, uh, and um, I'd like to first uh, give you the opportunity to introduce yourself. Tell, tell us, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Hey, well, I'm Carol Sepalu. I'm from St. Lawrence Island in Alaska, but I live in Nome. Um, it's well known for the Iditarod finish, if anyone knows about that. Um, and I am a runner. I like to run. Um, I have a tracheostomy. It, mm-hmm. it makes it very difficult for me to run, but I, I enjoy it anyway. Um, what else? I I wear a mask. I I've worn it for over twenty years now, um, and I wear it because I had a significant uh, gunshot wound from a suicide attempt when I was a teenager. It almost took my life, and um, I'm grateful that it didn't. I and now I I like to raise awareness uh, for suicide prevention um, because of that, and I do a lot of that through my running. Um, for for those of you, um, I I got to to I got my first in, introduction to Carol through my friend Eric Schranz, uh, is a ultra runner podcast, and I actually um, participated in that interview. Um, I'll link I'll link that that interview. I really recommend um, you know um, people check that out and listen uh, to that to also have a different perspective on. Um, on listening, hearing Carol talk about her story and her journey. Um, and, and also we had found out we had done the same race at the Broken Arrow Sky Race <laughs> series yeah. as well, but didn't actually get to meet face to face. So uh, actually this uh, interview is the first time we're actually able to, to see each other. I mean, I know what Carol looks like, but um, first time uh, for us to actually interact, at least over video, um, hopefully at some point we'll be able to uh, meet up in person. Um, so, so Carol, you know, you're, how did you, did you, were you always a runner or did you, how did you come to running, um, as part of your recovery and, and, um, I enjoyed running when I was a kid, like any other kid, 
Um, but uh, it, it really started in 2014. I can't remember how old I was. <laughs> but um, I woke up one day, it was noon, and it was a beautiful day out there, I could tell with the sun coming in through the window and I didn't want to get out of bed. I was severely obese and I was very depressed. So it was hard for me to do anything. And I remember thinking that day, Carol, you've got to get up and do something, go for a run. So I got up, I started with a two mile goal. I couldn't even run a couple of blocks, but I, I walked the rest of the two miles and I kept that goal every day. And um, that, those two blocks, they turned into a mile and then a mile turned into a few, and now I'm doing these crazy ultra marathons yeah. all over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, at what point did you notice that the running was was helping with your depression? Um, I think as my oh, arm. I think. I started noticing when um, the pounds were coming off. Mm. Um, when I started losing weight, um, I became happier. I felt healthier. Um, I was maybe a few months down the road, but it took a lot of um, consistency to consistency and a lot of determination to get to where I'm at right now. And in and, and Alaska where you don't, there's the, it, the weather uh, doesn't really, uh, you know, probably made it even more challenging being consistent in running. But um, mm -hmm. I, I remember from our, just, you know, our talk with Eric and, and also reading um, there's a couple of, of really good interviews uh, that I found online. You know, you you run year-round almost in Alaska, and you've had some pretty um, even when, particularly with the tracheostomy. You know, having the I remember you were telling me one story. You got an ice plug in it at some point in the middle of a run, and you had to figure your way to get 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 through that. So you're you're very very strong. Um, kind of going back to how old were you when the when you shot yourself when the suicide attempt happened you're 18 or 19 is that right or i i was 16 years old 16 oh, very young mm -hmm. and how many surgeries have you gone through i i i lost count i Gosh. went to surgeries from 1999 and I uh, made the decision to stop them in 2009. Mm. I told my doctor it's 
it's just time for me to take a break and I've been on that break for 11 years now and and um it sounds like one of the things that also you discovered in running was uh people didn't didn't see you know didn't know you know you felt accepted you didn't feel like you had to cover yourself in these races yeah um, like i said i've been wearing this mask for over 20 years um and I do it because I, um, I met a lot of people who didn't, who said things that weren't very nice when I was younger, and I, I just rather hide my face than to um, have people ask me all the time what happened to you or yeah why are you like that um, i'd rather have them wonder like, oh why is she wearing a mask um, they they don't really approach me this way but when i started running ultras um during the resurrection pass uh 50 miler in 2017 uh, it kept coming off, and I didn't want to waste the time putting one back on, so I left it off, and the runners coming back from the turnaround point, they were very encouraging, um, very nice to me. Uh, I heard nothing but positive things from them, and I thought I might as well just keep it off. I, I'm a very slow runner, so yeah. I don't have a whole lot of time to, um, to take to put this back on if it ever fell off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Huh. But it's, it's, it's been a very positive experience for me. Uh, running without it mm. wherever I go. You you also work in a in a nursing home, is that right? As a cultural ambassador. I do. Do you, um, have you I'm felt that confidence to just be yourself and be without you know the mask at times in an ultra? Has that translated to your work or other other parts of your life? Mm. I I haven't gone into that or feeling com I haven't felt comfortable mm. enough to okay. take it off um, elsewhere. Mm. But other than running, has anything else? Have you found any? Because I I think people listening, you know, will you know would would be interested in knowing like and, and the and I'm also very interested in, in learning um, how how you survived this in terms of resiliency. Like, was there was there any interventions or things that you have have learned to do um, to move on from from the from the gunshot and the injury and all of the surgeries? Um, you know, there are, you know, running sounds like it's definitely been a big help. 
have there been other things that you felt have also helped you equally? I think the biggest thing that has gotten me through all of this is when when I shot myself, I was in the ICU for a couple of weeks and I had a dream. Um, I, I remember sitting on my bed or laying down and I couldn't breathe and all of a sudden I was walking into a fog and it felt like a good dream. I walked into a village and there were people uh, dressed in bird feather parkas. Uh, I heard someone calling for me. They were my great grandfathers. They told me to come over and they told me that everything was going to be okay and that I was going to do great things that it wasn't my time yet and that I have to go back. I didn't want to come back because it was so peaceful there and I felt no pain, but I came back and I held on to that dream. I still hold on to it mm. and uh, I think somehow it just gave me an incredible amount of strength um, to keep going like the way I have been, even though it's been very difficult and painful. I, uh, I hold on to that experience and I'm very grateful. Sounds like it is that uh, that spiritual experience also gave you the opportunity to make your choice that you were able to choose to to move on and to and to live and and embrace all the good and the pain and and that's um really really powerful um you know one of the things i wanted to talk to you today about also in in relationship to this resiliency and overcoming, you know, a horrible situation and making it into something very positive because I think you're, 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 you're an inspiration to many people. And I think um, you represent what we all would hope if something horrible happened to us uh, that we will be able to, you know, at some point move on, not that to dismiss the pain that you're going through and, and, um, and the, even to this day, I, I assume you probably have, you know, little things that kind of um, come up uh, with your health that you can never completely forget what happened. And that can be in, in its own way, its own form of trauma. But um, how, uh, you know, in terms of the suicide awareness, have you been doing anything recently um, to um, address that or, or to um, any speaking or outreach? Are you doing anything right now? I haven't done any speaking in a while, but I do. Um, there are new, news media 
Mm-hmm. Um, the newspapers that interview me and I do it maybe that way, but we recently lost a couple of young people here in this region and I was going out for a run uh, a couple weeks ago and I thought I, I need to I need to do something. I just felt like I should do something big um, to help raise awareness and to um, give that message of hope to our people. Uh, so I thought why not run here in Alaska, here at home. All of my races have been canceled. I can't go anywhere. There's a travel ban here in home. So I talked with a friend of mine. I I said, hey, um, why don't we run from Teller to Nome? It's about 72 miles, 73 miles on the road. but I thought it would be a great way to show that all the people here in this region how running has helped me overcome depression and that you could keep going uh, even when things get difficult and things do get difficult during ultra marathons. Um, but you just have to keep going. Uh-huh. So have you have you uh, completed that run? Did you do the 73 mile? It sounds like a- we are, we are planning to do it in July. Oh, wow. And I'm really, yeah. Are you excited? Yeah. Is, is there, um, is this a fundraiser? Is there a, um, a link or a, um, organization that, um, you know, perhaps some of the viewers or people who watch this could could help you um, or contribute, or at least observe how you're doing. <laughs> um, we're we're working on setting those things up. I I don't That's know really how exciting. To, yeah, um, there, there's a few people who want to come up and help. On, mm. I'm excited for them. Yeah. Is it uh is it hilly or what's the what's uh, you said it was road but what's the uh, the course like? It's pretty hilly. I don't know the exact amount of uh, elevation gain it has, but there are some decent hills that we have to go over. Uh, it's a beautiful, yeah, beautiful course. I like. You have a coach, I think. I remember with when we talked with Eric, um, mm-hmm. you had mentioned that. Yeah, for, um, who's your coach? My coach is Sean Meisner with uh, Sherman Ultra. Oh, wow! Yeah. So he's must he's must be getting you ready for this. Uh, that sounds like a big big effort. So I actually took a break from. Um, them but i'm planning on getting back getting up back. With them. good yeah good. i need that help yeah. 
Yeah, you, you are you are you are very. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm really impressed with. I mean, I'm impressed with you in general. Um, and I think, especially you know, as a as a healthcare provider and psychiatrist, um, you know, I think you you are such a, a important. Um, you know, represent something that one. You know, uh, suicide is something that you can survive. Um, that. You know, you can you can have a horrible in injury and not only survive but thrive. And also that, you know, that at any point we we have the opportunity to re redefine who we are. And it all that takes is just getting that one foot and staying in the moment and and that persistence. And you can transform yourself. And I think you, your story is is so um, and your journey is. Um, you know, brings a lot of hope, especially now and when I think in the era we are in right now, we need we need that kind of hope. We need to know that even though things seem really bad right now, that um, that it's temporary and that things will improve at some point. We just have to uh, hold on and, and look for those opportunities and take care of ourselves and, and focus on what we can control. Um, you know, you're kind of I think you know. I know you're you were talking about the the couple of suicides, and I assume they were in the Eskimo community, um, or were, were they? Um, apologize for my dogs. Can't control them. Yeah. Them calm down. Um, it 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 was very It's very devastating when. Um, anyone commits suicide, especially in a small community like Nome and the surrounding villages. Yeah. And uh, they happened um, around the same time a couple a few weeks ago. And, wow. Um, um, what's the population of Nome? It's about close to 4,000. 4,000, so that's a, it's a small, small community, so everyone knows each other. Um, yeah. Do you, um, so, you know, as a, as an ambassador for, you know, the, the Eskimo, and, and that's how you prefer it being called, uh, rather yeah. than Native American. So people prefer Eskimo, some people don't, but I I prefer Eskimo. I okay. I don't mind it. Yeah. How um how is the 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 coronavirus pandemic um how has that affected your community? Um well we have the travel ban right now. Uh, I, People can't just fly out for any reason. They can't fly in for any reason other than um, medical or uh, like essential businesses. Um, the surrounding villages, they have also, uh, a lot of them have also have a travel ban they're closing their villages to protect the community because if the virus if we have a widespread oh sorry 
So if we're affected by it, we don't have a whole lot of uh, resources. We don't have a bunch of doctors or um, the healthcare professionals that could handle. Has there been any cases um, near you or in the Eskimo population that you're aware of? In our region, there has been one case, um, and it was over a month ago, um, that person recovered. And fortunately, that was the only known case that okay. we've had. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, so it's more of the, the fear, and, and certainly for you, I mean, you, you must have some personal fears about it, given um, having a tracheostomy. Yeah, um, I don't want to get it. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard a lot of bad things yeah. about it, how it, yeah. it could affect your lungs. Um, but how are people? Uh, how are, how are people dealing with the the social distancing part? I mean, that can be not being able to be with your family members or close friends, or or having to use these kind of virtual tools to it being really the only way to have real time connection with people. Um, how how is that affected? It's been really hard for a lot of people. I think. Um, hmm. Definitely, it's starting to get hard for me. I'm usually always socially distant, hmm. <laughs> even before the coronavirus. But um, if I missed everything the way it was before. Yeah. Did, did you have a running group that you would run with and, and train friends? Um, not a whole lot, but there were a few races here and there that were supposed to happen. But mm. um, Has there been any celebrations or um, Eskimo events that had, have been canceled or had to be changed that uh, we we had uh, Eskimo dancing practices mm. every week uh, that we aren't able um, to hold anymore. We tried to do the Zoom thing mm. a week ago, but it didn't work out, I guess. It's just not the same. Yeah, I can imagine, mm. you know. Um, that's right. You I remember you mentioned that was something that you you enjoyed almost as much as running was Eskimo dancing. Mm-hmm. What um, can you? What should our listeners know about Eskimo dancing that they may not know? Uh, it's we've been doing it for thousands and thousands of years. There are the men who have drums made out of walrus stomachs mm. down there and wood and surround drumming uh, homemade thing 
on the these are stick to be on the drum and they sing and the women or men on the dance they make motions um we have a lot of songs uh mm. we they each have their own unique uh, motions mm. you have to learn them yeah. but i love it it's it makes me feel very connected to yeah. my um, are there are there anything uh, i don't you know i don't know much of much about eskimo uh, community, are there? What are some things you think um, we down in the lower forty-eight um, should know about the, the Eskimo people? Um, we're very um, it's it's not how people think. It is here. People think we live in igloos and we ride moose or polar bears. <laughs> um, but I don't know. How do, how do you how how do you think? Well, um, what what do you think is the what what would you describe the 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 most important values of the Eskimo culture? I think we value our traditions the most. Um, being able to go out and get our food on subsistence, living, um, practicing our traditions such as Eskimo dancing mm -hmm. and um, holding on to our language. Um, the Siberian Yupik language was the first one, the first language that I learned and wow. I'm trying to hold on to it now. But I I moved to Nome when I was eight, so I kind of lost some hmm. of the language, um, but you'll see that a lot here there's a language revitalization is that how you say it yeah yeah um, okay. yeah you, we, the, is a younger generation like um people younger than you are they are, is there a strong interest in that or or is it more of a you have to try to keep them engaged and in, in maintaining those cultural um identity and language and traditions I, I think there's a strong interest in the young adult group. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I, I oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. The younger people are uh, starting to lose, like the kids. They're, um, I, I see a loss in the language. Um, so. Yeah. Something that we have to try to fix before we lose it completely. Yeah, and, and it sounds like also um, there's a, a lot of problems with, you know, 
similar to other other Native Americans in the United States, you know, problems with uh, alcoholism and, and health issues like mm-hmm. chronic health issues like diabetes and heart disease and and, um, and poverty and kind of systemic poverty that that also is a huge challenge and it sounds like you've over have overcome that and um, and but really still want to make make people aware of that you know yes it's alcoholism is a very big issue Mm. and um, not a whole lot of people like to highlight that or try to um, admit or yeah that's a challenge with you know i with with trying to you know, deal with, with alcohol and drugs is that there's a lot of shame and, and stigma associated with it that um, makes it makes it difficult to, 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 you know, kind of try to do big changes because people, you know, like communities don't want to admit there's a problem or, or it's um, because it's felt to be a moral issue, um, maybe don't want to invest in, in trying to deal with it has that has that been uh, experience that you that you've had yeah. yeah i think even one of the worst things i've seen from the pandemic in some ways like here in california we've been lucky kind of like you we haven't had i mean we had a, a fair number of cases but nothing as bad as like new york or or italy or other parts of europe or spain um but I think the unintentional thing from from the pandemic has been um, kind of the freezing of social services, um, alcohol and drug interventions. It's been really um, domestic violence um, programs. All of those have been severely impacted in in March and April, almost you know frozen. And we're we're trying to kind of restart those things. But um, that's been a big um, you know issue and concern in my mind is that um, you know in order to stop this particular infection, we've had to um, really curtail a lot of important social services um, that we're just, you know, we don't really know what the impact's gonna be, but there's a lot of concern for it. Yeah. What, what are you hopeful for? I think one of the things like, uh, I think we're, we're getting close to, to landing this plane, um, but I'd like to end, um, uh, these interviews with you know something on the hope um and you know it can be what 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 brings you hope what brings me hope um i i like to look forward to things um, i think having a goal uh, helps you out a lot it gets you something to hope for and i'm hoping to finally finish a hundred miler <laughs> i don't know when that will happen uh, um, I, I i think you will i think you think you will we we can we can talk talk offline you know i i um as a as a intern we didn't get a chance to talk to it in the, in the main part of this interview but uh carol did a, a valiant attempt at the leadville 100 and made it 40 miles into it I made it up to the 48 mile checkpoint. 48 miles, almost halfway. Yeah, and 
for those of you who don't know, this is probably one of the most hardest, the hardest ultras uh, in, in the lower 48s. And I think particularly because of the altitude. I mean, it starts at 10,000 feet and then it peaks at 13, nearly 13,000 feet or, and the fact that you towed the line with the tracheostomy and made it that far to me, it, it's just, it's just, just I'm in, in awe of the physiology that you had to, to overcome to make it that far in that. And I think uh, if you could get that far in Leadville, I think if you did a, a more of a sea level 100 miler, you would, you'd have no problem. And <laughs> in California I, I'm telling I'll, I'm making it known right now I, I will be there to help in any capacity you need so um, well thank you so much and um, for, for talking and um, you know um, I look forward to uh, hopefully in uh, the other thing where Carol and I are going to be doing um, hopefully later this this summer early early fall is um, Carol is our keynote speaker for the Central California Psychiatric Society's annual meeting. Unfortunately, and we were actually supposed to meet and, and talk in person at this conference uh, in, back in March, uh, but unfortunately, the COVID-19 had a different idea. Um, but um, I'm, I'm on the planning committee, and I'm, we're hoping that in some way we'll be able to have the meeting or um, later this year or have some version like this. Um, but I know for a fact that um, my, our, our society uh, was extreme, you know, is, is, is extremely excited to, to have you as a, as a speaker. And a lot of my residents, uh, we have a big cultural psychiatry program in my department and uh, they would be very interested in, in and getting to know you and, and talking with you about your experiences as an es Eskimo. Um, and there's a lot of ultra runners in the area too, who would, who would love to meet you in person. So hopefully um, the, the, the fates will align and we can get, pull this off. I'm looking forward to it yeah. whenever it happens. This video and podcast represents the opinion of Dr. John Onate and his guests. The content is provided only for informational, educational, or entertainment purposes. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions or concerns. Views and opinions expressed by the host and guests are our own and do not represent that of our place of work. While we make every effort to ensure the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a doctor-patient relationship. I do not receive any income or gifts from the pharmaceutical industry. I have no financial conflicts to disclose in relationship to the content presented, and if I do, I will present at that time. Thank you.